1: So, Ryan, let's move on to the week that is of college football. And it's not as sexy as last weekend, right? I think we mm-hmm. we kind of both agree with that, but there's some really good games on this weekend and impactful games. I mean, shake up the college football playoff game, shaking up division race type of games. Who's going to be the upsets? There's always upsets this late in the year, right? Ryan, I mean, always happens. Who is it? You know, what team that secured a big, this is some team that had a big win last week and is going to kind of sleepwalk this week. Who's it going to be? I hope it's not Notre Dame. I know who I want it to be. So we're going to dive into some of these games. Some of them we're going to spend a little bit more time on others because there's just a lot of very intriguing matchups that that we're looking at. And the first one, and we're just going to kind of go chronologically with the noon games and move to the 3.30 games and the night games. There's a there's a couple big games at noon, Ryan, but the one that the, the, the one of the two that really I'm gonna have my eye on is and this is more of just okay, is this team really playoff worthy? And that's Missouri at Tennessee. Now we saw Tennessee look great for eight weeks, eight games, and then they got smacked in the mouth last week. It was the first time they've really shown some invincibility. Georgia pretty much embarrassed them on a national stage. The reason this game intrigues me is not because I think Missouri can beat Tennessee. I don't think they can. But I want to see how this Tennessee team, who got their first taste of humility last week, how they respond. Because their playoff destiny is not only tied into winning out. I think how they win out is going to have a big say, depending on how things shake out. If there's a bunch of one-loss conference champs that look great down the stretch, and then Tennessee kind of stumbles into the postseason 11-1 and against inferior opponents – that's going to say a lot too. So I'm very curious to see how Tennessee rebounds this week.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be a really interesting one, Brian, because even talking about Missouri for a second, right, we saw Missouri take Georgia down to the wire in a football game, right? So they have been a little bit of a pesky team, still not a very good team, but they've been a team that, you know, just you have to account for, right? Like you can't sleepwalk through that game. And I'm interested to see this one because Tennessee is coming off of a heart-wrenching loss, obviously, right, where you got dominated by Georgia. And they really kind of took you to the woodshed throughout that football game and Georgia kind of took their foot off the throat and let you get a, make it a little more respectable, but it wasn't, if anybody watched that Tennessee Georgia game, you know that Georgia was clearly the better football team on that day, like not even close. So Tennessee has a big opportunity to get back on track to come into this football game and get back to the level that they were playing before the Georgia loss. Like, I think that this is a big step for Josh Heupel because coaches are ultimately judged by how they adjust and how they react to the negative. Right. And so that's a big negative. Is obviously you have your first loss of the season. How do you rebound? And I I think that Tennessee will rebound to this one. I don't see it as a trap or I don't see it as, you know, Missouri having the, the giants numbers this year or anything like that. So I think Tennessee does bounce back, but there's, this is an important game for Tennessee though, because they need to show that they have some resolve. They have some resiliency and they can get back to that level even after having a slight stumble last week.
1: Missouri's a weird team, Ryan. You look at their record, four and five, doesn't an impress you, right? And things did not start well for them. They lost to Kansas State 40 to 12 in the opener. Their wins are over Louisiana Tech, Alcorn, uh, excuse me, Abilene Christian, a three point win over Vanderbilt. And they do have a good 13 point road win over South Carolina. But since that Kansas State loss, they lost by three points at Auburn. Four points to Georgia, a touchdown at Florida, and four points against Kentucky. They actually have good talent. Eli Drinkwitz just hasn't been able to find figure out a way to maximize that talent. And you just, if you're Tennessee, you've got to make sure this isn't the week he figures it out. <laughs> you know, and that's going to be a case. Put them away early. I think the good thing for Tennessee is that they are coming back home. I think their crowd is going to be very loud, very loud. So I think they're going to be pretty fired up for that one. The other noon game – there's a couple other noon games, Ryan, but the really big noon game that I think the nation's going to have their eye on, and I know I certainly will other than after the Notre Dame game's over. This one I'll probably go back and look depending on what the score is. Number seven, LSU, heads to Arkansas. Mm -hmm. This is a fascinating game from two standpoints. It's a noon game. It's at Arkansas. It's on ESPN. You have an Arkansas team that came into the season with a lot of expectations, climbed in the top ten. Lost a, a heartbreaker at Alabama or at Texas against Texas A&M at home, where the final kick kicks off the upright that would have won them the game, kept them in the top ten. Got smacked by Alabama the next week, and up to that point in time, they had showed a lot of resolve. Even in the Bama game, they were down big early, they rallied back, and in the last quarter and a half, with the backup quarterback in the game, Bama just steamrolled them. Then they went out the next week and got destroyed by Mississippi State, and I thought they had found their way back, Ryan. They went out and blasted BYU on the road, beat Auburn. I wouldn't say they blasted them, convincingly beat them. And then you think they got it turned around. They go back home the next week and they lose to Liberty at home. Yeah. I just – I don't know what to make of this Arkansas team. And then you look at LSU. They're coming off two huge wins in a row. Uh, obviously, they beat Ole Miss two weeks ago, 45-20. to 20. And then, of course, the big one was this past weekend when they beat Alabama in overtime. Winners of three games in a row at Florida also before that. They played Tennessee the week before that. There's kind of two things that if you're LSU, you're worried about here, Ryan. Number one is at, it happens to every team. You go through so many tough games in a row, you're bound to have that drop-off game. Yep. And then number two is will this team be up for after beating three really good opponents in a row are they going to look at Arkansas who just lost to Liberty and have the same level of focus? That's going to be the interesting thing when I look at this uh, LSU Arkansas matchup. And that's why some people think this is going to be a a potential upset. And I'll tell you this last thing, Ryan, were you surprised by the spread only being three and a half in this game? I was a little bit. I really was.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brian, honestly, for the people out there, like this was almost my upset pick of the week. This was the close one for me. And it really was because there's, I I thought about it. I really did think deeply about it. Ultimately stayed away from it because I think that this game goes one of two ways. And one way is that LSU dominates Arkansas and they kind of put it. They see what's uh, in front of them. They know the opportunities in front of them and they're not going to let anybody stand in their way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they dominated Ole Miss. You have a big win against Alabama. This is a game I think for LSU where if you can, put another convincing victory on the, on the table, you're just kind of like, Oh, maybe this team is, has really turned the corner. Maybe this team is a legitimate, like tough out throughout the remaining of the schedule and into SEC play. Like uh, maybe this is the the game. Maybe maybe this is a better team than we originally anticipated. I mean, that's what's on the table. So I think either they win convincingly or they drop a close one. I think if this game is close, this goes in Arkansas's way. Because I I agree that they're, I think that you said it perfectly. Right. Teams are due for a letdown game when you have two emotional victories back to back like this. Right. There, There is a part of me that's like LSU has to come back to reality a little bit at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. There like, has to be. And I think if it's a close game, you are because the one thing about LSU is Jane Daniels is playing good football quarterback. He's a nice dual threat kid. He's throwing the ball pretty well. Their running game, though, has been super inconsistent. Like, I mean, yeah. I know Josh Williams had an okay game last game against Alabama, but, like, he's averaging less than five yards a carry, and he's their leading running back rusher on the season. So they haven't been great at running the football. So I think if it's a close kind of, you know, tough outing as far as kind of just punching 24, back 24-21 kind of game, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So if, if it is a really closely contested affair like that, I am deferring to – Raheem Sanders at running back for Arkansas and KJ Jefferson's running ability, because I think that they give you a little more diversity with how they're able to run the football and they're coming off of a embarrassing loss against Liberty. I mean, call it what it is. You just lost to a group of five team. So I think that they are going to come in with a lot of energy to try to get this thing back in the right direction. I think LSU coming off of two massive victories in a a row, they're either going to come down to reality a little bit and lose a close football game. Or they're going to put a stamp on it and say like, no, we're we're here, we're legitimate. Mm-hmm. So I, but I, I, so but this would be my upset pick if it was not for a different game that I ended up picking. But yeah, I, those are really the only two outcomes I see with this football game.
1: I think it, it reminds me a lot of exactly what I told you before the Syracuse game, right? Do you remember when I looked over at you this and we were talking about the Notre Dame Syracuse game and I said, look, I, I I think if it's close, Syracuse wins. If it's a, if Notre Dame wins, it won't be close. To your, to your point, if, if if LSU is not if LSU's not locked in, not focused, they're a very vulnerable team. I mean, I know they beat Bama, but this is also a team that got destroyed by Tennessee and almost lost to Auburn. And, you yep. know, and that's the thing about the SEC this year is you just don't know which team is going to show from week to week, even Georgia. I mean, you know, Georgia just destroys Tennessee, blows out Florida, and almost loses to Missouri. Missouri you know, yeah. I mean, really should have lost to Missouri. It, it, I mean, flat out should have lost to Missouri.
2: But I mean, they Missouri, Missouri led for like what eighty percent of that game, almost like the, the entire game. game. Yeah. yeah, I mean it was yeah.
1: wild. So it's it's been a weird year in the SEC, and like the Liberty game, Ryan, It wasn't even close. I mean, I know no. the final score 21 21-19, but they scored with like two minutes uh, less, a minute left, and tried to go for two to tie it. And I mean, up until that, I mean, it was twenty-one five until seven forty-two of the fourth quarter. I mean, it was twenty-one nothing at one point in time. The one thing I will say is I do feel like this is that was the first game where the it showed something. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean they 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 have been that's been their issue all years. They've just been a pretty bad, a pretty bad, and they're still not very good. Their their pass defense still stinks. But you know, you just LSU. You you hope that this is the game that they can kind of figure some things out. The Arkansas, I'll say this: the Arkansas defensive line is going to be the key to this game. If they can put pressure on a quarterback, because the one thing that Arkansas can really do, here's, here's what gives me hope. I'll be honest. I hope Arkansas wins this game. Sure. Here's what gives me hope that they have a shot to win this game. They're tied with Notre Dame for 15th nationally in sacks. Mm-hmm. And they're for, tied with Notre Dame for 14th nationally in sacks per game. The one thing this team can do is get after the quarterback a little bit on defense. What's okay. the one yeah. vulnerability that LSU has had for most of the year? It's – protecting a quarterback now mm-hmm. I thought they did a much better job of it last week against Alabama uh, than, than they had I was I, I didn't think there was any way any way that they were going to be able to protect the quarterback enough to win to beat Alabama didn't think it was possible yeah. and they did but when you watch that game it just kind of felt like that was a little bit more about Alabama than anything Alabama still had six sacks but they just couldn't get to them in the money downs you know what I mean right. And so, uh, that's going to be a key. Can Arkansas get to him on money downs the way in ways Alabama couldn't? That's going to be a very interesting part of this game. I,
2: and I think for Arkansas's defense, to your point, Brian, I think that Drew Sanders is going to be a big player for them in this game. The starting yeah. inside linebacker who leads them, I mean, think, think he's tied or he leads them in sacks with six and a half. I think Jordan Dominique also has six and a half. But he's that I mean he's playing kind of inside linebacker, but they use him as an interior rusher a ton. They use him off the edge. He's kind Sanders of nervous is their leader at seven and a half. Yeah, seven and a half. Yeah. So they, they use him as got a six and a half. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. So Sanders is kind of a variety rusher for them. Like they'll use him all over the place. They'll mush rush him and just let him kind of be quarterback spy. So I think he's a big player in this football game to stop. Cause I mean, hey. Dane Daniels, when he's rolling and he's doing the dual threat stuff, he's able to get out of the side of the pocket. He's a dangerous runner, man. He's a dangerous athlete. So I think Drew Sanders for Arkansas is a key to this football game to trying to slow him down.
1: Absolutely. A noon game that I'm going to have my eye on, we're not going to talk about, but a noon game, if you're a Michigan fan, you are absolutely hoping that Illinois beats Purdue this weekend at home and that they bounce back from their loss last weekend. And it's a big game for Purdue, uh, who supposedly is the best team in Indiana, according to uh, – that uh, one garbage Twitter account this summer. They're coming off back-to-back losses against Wisconsin and Iowa. Offense has been struggling. They need to rally because, like, you know, they, they if if they lose this game, they're five and five. You're going to finish probably worse, six and six. If you get Northwestern at home, but it's really a it's a disappointing end. To they're going to end if they lose this game, they will end exactly where I thought they'd be: five and seven, six and six. But they mm-hmm. had such a great opportunity to be better. And really bounce back with a good season. And they've just missed that opportunity in recent games. Let's move to the 330 games, Ryan. The big one, obviously, at 330 is going to be number nine, Alabama at number 11, Ole Miss. It's on CBS. Alabama is a 12 point favorite. The Irish breakdown staff made their picks for this game, Ryan, and everybody picked Ole Miss except for one person. This is an intriguing game. You have, uh, you have Alabama obviously trying to bounce back. This is this is the, the a chance for Ole Miss to sort of say, hey, look, we have a shot at the SEC West crown. If they went out and LSU drops a game, Ole Miss is the SEC West champs. That's what's in front of them. They're playing for something. They're playing for a chance to win the West. They're playing for a chance to upset Alabama, a team that they've given a couple good games in recent seasons. And Lane Kiffin's first year, they gave him a really tough battle, if you remember that game. No, it was ended up being sixty, like three to forty-eight, but it was a close game for a while. Last year was a much more convincing Alabama victory. Uh, the Alabama's obviously trying to bounce back and rally and still try to. I mean, the crazy thing is, everybody keeps talking about how LSU could be the first two-loss team in the College World Playoff. So could Alabama. If Alabama yeah. runs the table and LSU drops a game, Alabama's going to get into the SEC title game. And don't kid yourself that the committee won't put them in if they beat Georgia. Because they'll say, well, you know, they're two plays away for being undefeated. And they'll get all that nonsense from the committee, right? Uh, so they still have a lot to play for. And all these people talking about, oh, Alabama's out of the college fall playoff hopes. Yeah, right. You don't know the committee very well if you think Alabama's out. But <laughs> they could be after this weekend. And that's what makes this a very fascinating game. I think this is the best chance Ole Miss has had at beating Alabama in years. I mean, really, since they actually beat Bama, was a back-to-back years of Bo Wallace, a quarterback. Imagine that. Bo Wallace had back-to-back wins over Alabama. So, Ryan, this is a fascinating game. And the one person that picked Ole Miss to win this game, and and I'll explain why after I let you kind of discuss the game, is me.
2: Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, Brian, I I look at this football game, and you know early on in the season I was buying into Ole Miss a little bit. Yep. You know, because I, I liked the running game that they have, obviously, with Quinshawn Junkins and Zach Evans. I think they have a couple defensive linemen that are going to play in the NFL, and Cedric Johnson and Jared Ivy. Like, I think there's talent on this team. Jonathan Mingo is a good receiver. Jackson Dart is a talented kid at quarterback. Just for whatever reason, though, man, this team is just so up and down, and I just yep. can't get a great pulse on them. I can't. And Jackson Dart is one of those quarterbacks for me that is like a humongous enigma. Just, he's... There's games where he starts off, and I'm just like, "All right, this is the this is the Jackson Dart breakout yep. game." Like this is the game where he takes that ascension, and then he just comes back to reality. Like if you remember that game against LSU where they ended up getting killed, Jackson Dart started out hot in that game, and then he just fizzled second quarter into mm-hmm. the second half, and he just was you're just kind of like matting mattingly inconsistent with how Jackson Dart plays the game right now. So I think Alabama gets a bounce back game this game because I think ultimately it's going to come down to. Bryce Young versus Jackson darts in yeah. a little bit of a higher scoring game. I had a 37 27. I think that that score is going to end up not being quite as close as a 10 point spread will will say, but I think that they For like, I think, Ole miss popping one in late. Yeah, like it'll be like 37 20 late into the game, and then they score a late touchdown, and it'll, it'll make it look a little more respectable. I, I just there's just something about this game though that tells me Bryce Young is going to be coming back and he's going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. The team's going to really be a little upset, a little bit angry, and I just have a really hard time trusting Jackson Dart. Like That's just my biggest thing. I think that the kid can be good. I think he's extremely talented, but for whatever reason, he just has not had any form of consistency this year. So give me Alabama 37-27 in the the bounce-back game after the tough loss to LSU last week.
1: Here's why I'm picking Ole Miss. I don't think it's going to be Jackson Dart against Bryce Young. That's the thing about this team is that it's not the Jackson Dart show. Alabama goes as Bryce Young goes, and that's a lot to put on that kid, and he's not getting a ton of help. It's a situation where I think this is more about the whole Ole Miss offense giving a, in my opinion, a sort of reeling Alabama defense some problems. I mean, Alabama's defense has not been great uh, really all season, and you know my stance on Pete Golding. Now I will say this. I think the worst thing to happen the 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 I'll say this. Okay, I'm trying to think of how to say this correctly. The LSU game is either going to be a a huge opportunity for Ole Miss because this Alabama team. There was a defensive lineman for for Alabama. I believe his defensive lineman who said basically kind of alluded to the fact that the NILs kind of messed this team up. They're not the same team, you know. And and they haven't. They have not played like typical Alabama. They they have played. You know, they've looked a lot like the last this year, they've looked a lot like some of Brian Kelly's Notre Dame teams where they're just kind of going through the motions and just they're just more talented than everybody they play. And every time they play a team that's on their level talent-wise, they've lost. I mean, think about that. I don't think Texas is on their level. The only two teams that I would say they've played this year that are on their level talent-wise are Tennessee and RSU. And both of those teams are beneath Alabama, but they're close enough at important spots where they can beat them. Well, I think Ole Miss is one of those teams, Ryan, and and not as as much across the board, but from a specific matchup, I think they're going to be able to run the ball on Alabama, but I I think they're going to have the the weapons on the perimeter to make enough plays against them. And as you said, they're maddeningly inconsistent. And you know, I think they've here's the other weird thing: they've played a lot better on the road at times than they have at home. They have not been a great home team this year. But I feel like Ole Miss is due. Because if you remember earlier in the year when we had a couple Ole Miss games, I was the one saying, I'm not in love with this Ole Miss team. And that's why I was the only person to pick LSU to beat Ole Miss when we did that prediction for that game. Because I said, I just don't like the matchup. I don't like the way this Ole Miss team is playing. This reason I'm going with Ole Miss this time is because I just look at the matchup of Alabama. They, they struggle to stop the run. And, they, I mean, they've given up over 180 yards three times this year. and. None of those teams, none of those teams, not um not Arkansas, not Tennessee, not LSU, none of those teams run the football like Ole Miss does. I mean, they they are borderline option team production-wise in, in r- the run game this year. And they have talented runners too. Quenshaw Juckins is excellent. Zach Evans is excellent. So I think they're going to run the football. I think they're going to take pressure off of Jackson Dart. I think he's going to make a couple plays with his legs that they need. That's another issue that Alabama's had. And I think that Alabama is going to continue to try to put the game completely on Bryce Young's shoulders, and he just does not have the supporting cast he's had in the past. And that's why I'm going with the upset. Now, the other part of this is it could end up being the worst thing that ever happened to Ole Miss
2: because (laughs) Alabama,
1: it's sort of like you woke up the sleeping giant. Yeah, And that's the the fear I had picking Ole Miss in this game because I'm like, I'm going to pick Ole Miss because all the stats and all the matchups make sense, right? For who Alabama has been up to this point in time in the season, this game makes sense for me to pick Ole Miss. But then there's the flip side of, but what if this is the game that wakes up Alabama? If it is, this game will not be close. If this is the game where Alabama, they rally around for just a game, they'll blow Ole Miss out. I just don't think that's who this team is right now. I could be wrong, and if I am, Alabama will smash them. But I really like Ole Miss in this
2: game. I really do. I think I think this is the week that you that you wake up. Ryan Roberts' chances of winning our uh, our pickums for the year. I yeah. think This is the Good game. Good luck Ryan. with that. You got a lot. You got game. a lot more. You need a lot more than this game, I'm there, only, buddy. I'm only but, I'm only five uh, back, but man, yeah, only Gaddy ground back. back? Okay. Back. Okay. Back. That's good. It's good.
1: I love the confidence. Another very interesting 330 game, Ryan, that's a lot like the the noon game, it's Louisville at Clemson. Louisville is red hot. Clemson is is, you know, who are they after the loss to Notre Dame? Uh, that's what yeah. we don't know. Are they gonna be kind of like what I just said about Bama? Are they sort of like a well you know, well, we lost that game. We're not going to be a playoff team and just, you know, everybody kind of do you look out for yourself or is this the game where they kind of say, okay, you poke the bear and, and then you've got uh, Scott Satterfield out there running his mouth during the week. Like, is that really a good idea, dude? Like you're going to and You do realize that, right? So, uh, that's going to be a fascinating game, Ryan. It's a seven and a half point spread. I believe it is on it. It's a three thirty game on ESPN. It's down to a six and a half point spread. Clemson is a six and a half point favorite according to ESPN. Louisville was on the verge of being done. I mean, they were two and three. They had just lost to Boston College, and which is a terrible loss now looking at it. And since then, they have won four straight games over Virginia, Pitt, Wake Forest, and James Madison, all by double digits. So uh, they're hot. They're hot. They have a dynamic run throw quarterback and Malik Cunningham, which can give Clemson some problems. And Clemson obviously is going to look to bounce back from their loss to Notre Dame and uh, maintain control of the Atlantic Division. So, Ryan, how do you see this game playing out? Uh, Do you think Clemson? I think Clemson pounds Louisville. I think I think the any chance they had at over uh, Clemson had it overlooking Louisville was done when Scott Satterfield started running his mouth this week.
2: Uh, that's what I was gonna say. Is the two things that the two main things that you said that I think changes my opinion on this game because I think in a vacuum, if you just kind of look at it as Clemson coming off of a embarrassing loss for them losing to Notre Dame, coming back against a pretty talented Louisville team. I mean, there's a couple guys in that defense that are potential NFL players. You mentioned Malik uh, Michael Cunningham or Malik Cunningham or whatever he's going it's by back now. To Malik it's bound back to Malik and Tyler Hudson at wide receivers a pretty talented football player. The transfer from central Arkansas, like they have some guys that can give teams issues and they have had some moments this year where you're just kind of like, okay, they're, they're, you know, they have, they have some danger to them as far as being a team. But the minute that Scott F- Satterfield started talking, I'm just like, no, this game's over, man. Because you, mm-hmm. one, I know, I, I have a good feeling that Dabo is going to have the team, Laser focus in this game, right? Like he's not one of those guys that's just going to kind of let the season get away from him, like some guys would. Like there's some guys that mm-hmm. lose that game last week and you just lose your team because they're just like, wow, that was embarrassing, and what are we doing, and what was that game plan, and all those types of things. I have a feeling Dabo's is going to get him playing good football this week at home in that environment. Obviously, has never hurt to Clemson, you know, being able to you know run out of the t- run run down that hill and do a lot of type of stuff and get pumped up and. Uh, So I think they have a comeback game after uh, after the loss last week, a bounce-back game, I should say. I just think that Louisville had a chance to come into this football game a little bit under the radar and Mm -hmm. catch Clemson. I think they had that chance. But unfortunately for them, their coach did not let that happen this week. Yep. What are you thinking? It's almost kind
1: of like, crap, I was hoping to be out of this job. I was hoping I was going to get fired and now we've won four in a row, and now I'm not going to get fired. So let me piss off Clemson and hope they beat me so bad that Louisville wants to fire me again. Like, Uh, it uh, just—it was dumb. Coming from the adult in the – and supposedly the adult in the room. Come on, dude.
2: I I just don't understand why you're giving a team – you're giving a team, you know, the the board material as far as, like, you know, a reason to get up for this game when you could have caught them off of a letdown. Like, they could have been feeling – terrible about themselves and like wow man what was that last week and they're not focused and you could have snuck up on this team and for whatever reason you put the attention on yourselves and you're making Clemson I think going to come out and play angry in this football game and play with something to prove it was just not a very good decision you should have played you should Gabo's not a guy you want to piss off no he's not because he's going to get them He's going to get refocused. He's going to get refocused. And Dabo has shown no problem
1: hanging 70 on somebody in their conference. He has shown no problem against it. And right now, I mean, these are one of the two teams that people are, you know, that that have a shot to kind of gain on Clemson. I think if you look at the Coastal Division, I think there's only two teams in that division Mm -hmm. and and that I think are um, teams that I think have a shot to – over eventually overtake them, I guess, is what I'm saying in, in that division. Now, of course, ACC I believe is getting rid of divisions eventually, right? You know, but you look at the teams in that division of that division for now, or it, you could look at the whole league. There's really only four teams to me that have the foundation to become legitimate contenders to Clemson, Florida State, mm-hmm. Miami, Louisville, and North Carolina. To me, are the only ones right now. I don't think Virginia Tech is the program it used to be. More and more people are going in the state of Virginia and taking those players because of Virginia Tech. Like Frank Beamer is the reason Virginia Tech became what it was, but also the reason that they're not that team anymore, because he opened everybody up to like, hey, there's a lot of talent in this state that you may. There's a lot of athletes in the state. So now Bama goes to Virginia to get kids. Notre Dame goes to Virginia to get kids. I mean, 20 years ago, CJ ProSize is playing at Virginia Tech. You know, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. And so now it's like Penn State, Penn State, Penn Penn State's always recruited Penn State. They were really the only one, you know, Michigan would occasionally come in there. But now everybody's going into Virginia to get the best kids. Mm -hmm. So you look at it and you say, you know, they're not they're not that team. And you're you're Louisville. You want your chance to kind of pick up this big win. You really don't want to poke that bear. And Dabo knows that they're a contender and he knows what dominating them is going to do for his program and so i thought i've listened to some of the comments made by clemson players this week i thought they handled the notre dame game with with humility and, and mm-hmm. i and i and we, you didn't hear a lot of excuse making and my fear would have been if there was like hey we had a rough week of practice it was cold it was this it was, that. It was like no we got our butts kicked and mm-hmm. you know look i don't know where it came from we thought we had a good week of practice blah 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 and it's it's it, all the right I heard everything I wanted to hear from Clemson players this week. If I'm if I'm a Clemson fan saying, are they gonna handle this? Where they were embarrassed by the loss, but they also recognize that we got our butts kicked. Well, mm-hmm. a team that recognizes they got their butts kicked is gonna do what they need to do to make sure that never happens again. A team that thinks what they did was fluky is gonna be like, ah, it's fluky, it won't happen again. Whatever. We had a good week of pride, we'll do what we need to do. No, they know they got their butts kicked and and they're gonna bounce back because I still think this is a program with a lot of pride. And yep. and I think Louisville screwed themselves over by running their mouths because you know what what Scott Satterfield said. This is the same team that lost to Marshall and Stanford. You're the same team that got beat by Boston College. You're yes. the same team that lost thirty one seven to Syracuse. You know you're the same team that that lost to. I'm trying to find their third loss. Let me give me. Let me get to Louisville's third loss. They you're also the same team that lost to Florida State. I hate to break it to you, partner. But uh, Clemson's beat all three of those teams. So you might have wanted to think about that before you started running your mouth. I just think Clemson is going to smash Lula this weekend. And if they don't, then that means there's big problems. Big uh-huh. problems at Clemson. Big problems. So that's another fascinating game, right? So we both, you and I are the same page. This is going to be a rout. Mm-hmm. Here's a fascinating game with Major bowl game implications that nobody would have predicted before the season. 3.30, ESPN2, Yeoman Stadium in New Orleans, Louisiana. The number 22 UCF Golden Knights play the number 17 Tulane Green Wave. The waiver a one-point favorite. My guy Lawrence Keesh Jr. is on that football team playing for them, doing some good things for them. This is going to be a really interesting game. Tulane, obviously, the winner of this game is in pole position to be a New Year Six team. There's only two uh, group of five teams in the top 25. It's UCF and Tulane. If Tulane wins this game, they are a cult, they are the only thing that could keep them from not being in in the New Year's Six game. Right? Is another collapse. They play mm-hmm. SMU at home the week after. They play at Cincinnati. They'd have to lose two of those three, their final three games if they win this game. Obviously, one of those would be the conference the american conference championship game would be the second so if they beat sm if they win this game and beat smu next week and then lose to cincinnati and then maybe lose the conference that's about the only thing that could keep them out of it this is a chance to really position yourself for a program changing season ucf has a chance under gus malzahn to say hey we're going to re-establish ourselves as the best group of five team in college football before heading into the big 12 so i think this is a big game for both teams uh, i think that if ucf can win They've got a shot to run the table as well, Ryan, uh, as you kind of – again, I think for UCF, this is might even be a bigger game because mm-hmm. UCF's got Navy coming up and South Florida coming up. If UCF wins, they're most likely going to be in the in, the, in the New Year Six Bowl. That would be a huge boost for them in, in kind of how people view them, recruiting as they get ready to jump into the Big 12 next year. So it's a big game for them, and of course, as we said, it's a big game for – Tulane, as well.
2: Tulane is it's one of the better stories in college football this year. I mean, because if you look at what they were last year, weren't they like two and 10 last year? Like they were yep. a bad football team in 2021. And they did really have a lot Fritz. of, I, I
1: do, th- I did feel they had a lot of competitive losses, though. I yeah. mean, they, you yeah. were correct. They weren't good, but they lost by five at Oklahoma. They lost mm-hmm. by a touchdown to UAB. They lost by four points at UCF. They lost an overtime to Tulsa, and they lost by five points on the road to Memphis. So you could mm-hmm. see the foundation being laid. Obviously, they had Chip Long and, and Chris Watt last year. They were a young team. So yes, th- but but you you are what your record says you are, Ryan. Sure. And we made these same excuses for Nebraska and why we thought Nebraska was going to be good. And guess what? Nebraska kept being bad. Tulane, however, mm-hmm. said, "Okay, we're going to use that and we're going to we're going to start winning these games." And huge, huge props to Willie
2: Fritz for that. Huge props. Yes. But please continue to, to, yeah. to make the well, nah, point. I was just going to compliment Willie Fritz like you just did, too, because I think yeah. that, you know, after a tough season, being able to come back and to do a complete 180 as far as the final results of football games. And Tul- Tulane has a lot of nice things going for them. You know, they have a talented quarterback of Michael Pratt. They have some defensive players in Dorian Williams and Jaden Canadai who – are good football players, man, who are playing really good football this year. I mean, I've been impressed by a lot of what they've done on defense throughout most of the course of this year. So there's a lot of nice tools to work with. Just something about this UCF team in this game. Think of Ryan O'Keefe, a wide receiver, as a slot receiver, for instance. I think he's going to have a big football game where I think that they're just going to score a couple more or they're going to make a couple more plays offensively than what Tulane is going to do. Tulane strikes me more as a – team that is kind of you know more on script and let's be efficient as a as a team offensively I think UCF has a couple of guys that worry me a little bit more about making explosive plays so I think they create a couple more explosive plays win a close game 2017 national champion UCF wins 28 to 24 over Tulane I'm to pretend <laughs> I didn't hear that last comment <laughs> I, I think that you're right
1: about who Tulane is they're an efficient play good defense, you know, don't turn the ball over type of team. But I think that's exactly why I think they're going to win this football game. Because they are that kind of team. They run the football well. Their passing game is not elite. Michael Pratt's a good player, but he's a he's basically a pragmatist as a quarterback, right? Do no harm, get the ball where it needs to go, make a couple big plays when you need to. He's had a couple big 300-yard games, but he's also had games where it's 125, 158 type of yards. But he does what's needed to be, to be done. When I look at UCF, like I, I look, I watch them play, Ryan, and, and teams like Tulane they've had a hard time with, and they've won some of those games. So they've had a hard time with teams like that. You know, they had a tough time with Cincinnati. They had a really tough time with East Carolina. You know, they had a tough time with Louisville. I think teams that are really can fly around on defense have given UCF some problems. And the reason is, I don't love their quarterback situation. To be completely honest with you, I'm, I'm not a big John Reese Plumley guy against a good defense. And so that's kind of where I see it. I think I got, i have Tulane winning 30 to 27. Our staff actually made predictions for this. I believe, Ryan, we were split three to three. That'll get published here in a little bit. You picked UCF, Ryan. Uh, Sean Styers picked UCF. And then myself, Vince, uh, Andrew, and Sean Davis all picked Tulane. But everybody picked a close game. And I do think that's mm-hmm. what we can pretty much guarantee is it will be a very good football game. Let me ask you this, Ryan. Is there a team you want to win? I know who, you made your analysis. You put your analysis hat on. I mean, for me, personally, I, I I like Gus Malzahn. I do, but I love the story of Tulane, which is why I'm kind of pulling for Tulane. How often are we going to get to see a chance to you know a team like Tulane in the New Year's Six Bowl? You know, True. so I think that'd be a cool story.
2: Now it is a really cool story, and Tulane is definitely a more likable team for me. Like I mentioned, a mm-hmm. couple guys in that defense, especially that like I have my eye on as potential NFL guys. Like there's. I think there's more there's more high-level players on Tulane compared to UCF, UCF, in my opinion. I just think that UCF maybe just has a little bit more all-around. Like I really like that slot receiver they have, man, the Ryan O'Keefe kid, who's a really talented player. I also have the wide receiver whose name's escaping me. I think his last name's Hudson, that used to play at Auburn, was a pretty decent player for them, who's one of their leading receivers as well. So I think they just have a Kobe couple – Kobe Hudson. They just have a couple of really good. Yeah, Javon Baker too, who transferred from Alabama. Yeah, yep. So they got they got a couple of weapons out there. And I just think I just think they're going to make a couple more explosive plays in Tulane. But regardless, I think it should be a really nice, really competitive football game and really entertaining to watch.
1: Let's go to the seven o'clock games, Ryan. There's some. This is where this is really where the big games are. I mean. This is the great thing about, we have a question about, do you like early games or late games? And honestly, my answer is when it's a road game, I like games that allow me to watch more college football that day, right? Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame playing at noon allows us to get our post-game show in and to watch a lot of good college football after the game. So, and you'll be able to get back from the stadium with plenty of time to watch the night games. And there are a lot of them. Here's an interesting game. We won't spend a lot of time on it, but just setting the stage, Georgia heads to Mississippi State. Now, this is a very intriguing game because in every single way you look at this game, this should be a Georgia blowout. But Mississippi State's been a really dangerous team at home this year. They gave Georgia a game two years ago, and you worry about the letdown aspects of it because this is still a a Georgia team that still, you know, again, didn't look good against Kent State, didn't look good against Missouri. They've been a little bit like Notre Dame this year, Ryan. Uh, Much better version of it. But what I mean by that is, they have kind of at times played to the level of their competition at times, and 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 not really dominated until like Georgia, like Florida. I thought they kind of jumped out early and then just kind of slept walk and let Georgia Florida back in. They're like, okay, I guess we got to turn it back on again, you know, and then enrolled them. That's why I thought they're going to lose last week. They didn't. They looked great last week. So now I want to kind of see. Okay, well, let's see what uh, they do this week. Mississippi State is one of the more schizophrenic teams in college football this year. I mean, they, they really are. And at home though they've been very good. They still have yet to lose a football game at home this year, Ryan. And so that's going to be an interesting game. I think they will lose a home game this week, uh, yes. but I, I I think for at least a while this game could be a little closer early until Georgia wakes up and is like, okay, you're not gonna you're not gonna move the ball another yard, and we're gonna just run it down your throat. So I could I I but I do think at least for half this could be an interesting game.
2: I know that this offense with Mike Leach calling it and Will Rogers being a pretty good, you know, just distributor of the football. I know that they put, have put up some pretty good numbers and are just the team that kind of stuffs the stat sheet, per se, right? I just think that it's a bad matchup for them against Georgia, yeah. man. One, they're a one dimensional football team, which never happened, never does well against a team like Georgia that has the defense hold, that they I'll, have. Hold on,
1: hold on a second, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. You're telling me that a team that has run for 97 yards in the last 3 games combined is one dimensional no
2: way you could say that you could say no that way. i know I, br- I i know i break a lot of news on this site i know i, I don't have, believe it. I bring a lot of hot takes but uh <laughs> yes i would call that one dimensional for sure and yes. i would also i would also say this brian how they collect yardage passing wise I think is not the way to beat the Georgia team. Like they don't have any yeah. ability to stretch this defense, right? Like there are a lot of stops, drags, they're underneath stuff. So I think Georgia is just going to kind of settle an off man and they are going to come up and they are going to make it a tough time getting anything after yeah. the catch in this football game. So I think they're just, I just find it hard that, to believe that Mississippi state is going to create a bunch of explosive plays against the defense like, I just think Keely Ringo and those and Malachi Starks and Chris Smith and that second, they're just going to kind of sit back there, wait for them to declare and just come up, break up passes, stop the run. I think they will the, move it a game. little bit
1: early, just early. Okay. Like, I think they'll have like a series or two where it's like the Tennessee game last year. Remember when Tennessee jumped mm-hmm. on Florida early and had, well, didn't have like a 10 nothing lead or something like I, that? And then all of a sudden, Georgia or something I, like I, that. I know, the, like I know they scored a ton of. They scored a touchdown yeah. on
2: their first drive. I remember for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you're like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, this is going to be a game. And then Georgia was like, no, it, it's not. That's kind of how I could see this, this playing out it, where it's like, you know, Hey, look, we had a couple series. The crowd thinks you have a shot. And then next, thing you know, you look up and it's 42 to 10, like you're up 10, nothing. And then the next thing you know, it's 42 to 10. And you're like, what the heck happened? I, that's <laughs> right. kind of how I see it. Right. Where for a little bit, you know, it's, it's a, it's a letdown game. It's, it's going into a weird stadium with the cowbells and all that other nonsense. And it's just going to, you know, and I think Georgia is going to kind of sleepwalk through a quarter and then blow them out. I'll say this. If Georgia dominates them the way that you're saying from start to finish, it's mm-hmm. going to tell me that this Georgia team is no longer like we talk about Notre Dame, right? Cause like, what are we doing with Georgia? We're doing to Georgia, the same thing that we hate that people do to Notre Dame. Let me rephrase. I'm doing to Georgia. What Mm -hmm. I hate that people do Notre Dame is I'm still bringing up the Missouri and 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 the uh, Kent the uh, Kent State game, but I think Georgia's in a similar situation to what Notre Dame faces this week against Navy in that okay you know they get up for the big games can they still get up for the games that aren't that big? If they do, it tells me that this version of Georgia has now finally hit their stride and that they're Mm going to be they are now back to being the best team in college football. So I do think that's going to be something fascinating about this game, Ryan. As well, as we're going to learn a lot about who Georgia is mentally and leadership wise relative to where they were a month and a half ago when they struggled against Missouri and against Kent State. That's going to be
2: fascinating. It is. It is. I just hope I I get to hear some more um, some more husband advice from Mike Leach after the game. I don't know if you've noticed yes. that, Brian, but every uh, game he gives some husband I advice. I personally
1: am not an inter- personally over. Inter- I'm I've never been overly entertained by Mike Leach. Yeah. I don't find him very funny. I think he's cheesy. I think he's kind of an idiot. He's got a awkward like he's, personality. Too. Yeah. He's like it's that just, really nerdy dude that like just knows football really well, but he's like yeah. really weird. He's socially awkward. He is weird. He's just, he is weird. yeah, he's just a weird dude, man. And I'm just not a, I'm not a big fan of his to be completely honest with you. So I, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not a big fan of his, to be honest with you. So, like, I, so he's a national treasure. Uh, okay, hard pass on that one. Here's another really good seven o'clock game. There's, there's just so many good night games. Washington at Oregon. This is a big game for both teams in certain ways. Georgia gets Oregon gets a chance to get another win over a ranked opponent. For Washington, I don't think Washington as as really has a chance to win this game. Right? I still don't think they run the ball well enough to be balanced to, to win this type of game. And, and we've seen Michael Penix be not quite as good lately, but I'll say this about Washington. They're finally figuring out how to win ugly, which they couldn't <laughs> do against UCLA and Arizona State. When they're on, they roll people, but when they, you know, they couldn't win ugly. They've had three quality, tough wins in a row, Arizona, Cal, Oregon State. The win of Oregon State showed me something. It showed me they can actually play defense a little bit at times they're going to have to be at the very best of who they are defensively. And that right there is going to be the biggest area for, for Kalen DeBoer to improve this program offensively. I think Washington can go toe to toe with Oregon. The problem is I don't think their defense has any chance at heck at stopping Oregon's offense, which is good. It's not elite. It's not like it was under Chip Kelly. It's just, you look at Washington, Here's what they've done against Power 5 teams this year. 28 points allowed, 22, 40, 45, 39, 21 to Cal, 21 to Oregon State. They've yet to hold a Power 5 team below 21 points. And Mm -hmm. and Oregon's a team that can score. This is not a vintage Chip Kelly or Marcus Mariota Oregon team, but it's still pretty good for this league. And I think that's Mm -hmm. going to end up doing Washington in. Because they just don't have the they're, – they're, they've got some individual players. Braylon Trice is a dude. The sophomore, Dean, on the other side is a dude. But when you look over all around, the talent level on defense and the secondary and some other spots just isn't good. And they're just not they're just not putting it together too, Ryan. Like the talent that they do have, they just don't put it together really effectively. But if if what we saw the last two weeks is a sign of what's to come for the defense – Then I think they have a shot to stay in this game, but I'm, you know, but it's not. It's Oregon State and Cal aren't exactly offensive juggernauts, you know, Mm because the week before that they gave up the 39 Arizona. So that's to me where I see this one. But I do think Washington is 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 bouncing back really well under Kalen DeBoer. This is a chance for them to really announce their presence with authority. I just don't see it happening this week
2: my my interesting matchup that I'm looking forward to watching is I feel like Oregon's offensive line has played pretty well this year for the most part. And it's kind of weird, Brian, because like before the season, I was just like, they don't really have a guy that you just like put your finger on and you're like, that guy's a dude, you know? Like, I feel like they're just playing pretty good football as a unit, but Washington's best part, best part of Washington's defense easily you already mentioned is they have guys like Braylon Trice, like Jeremiah Martin, like Zion, ZTF, however you pronounce his mm-hmm. last name. Like they have some defensive ends that are pretty substantial and and you know high producers for them, right? So then versus the Oregon offensive line, I think is gonna be an interesting matchup. If I had to pick the football game, I would end up picking Oregon just because I think mm-hmm. that Oregon's offense has just been a lot more consistent to your points. But now the highs of Washington have been pretty nice. You know, there's been yep. some games where you're like Michael Penix looks like the guy that people tried to make him two years ago before he fell off in his last year in Indiana, right? Like he looks like that guy. We know Jalen McMillan's a dude. We know Robio Dunzi is a, is a really good football player. Like there are some guys on Washington from a passing game perspective that you can look at and be like, yeah, they have a lot of explosiveness, but it's just been up and down. Oregon's just been mm-hmm. a lot more consistent offensively. Yep. They've been a lot more consistent from an offensive line perspective. So I think that ultimately would win out for me. But I will be watching to see what type of pressure Washington can create on Bo Nix. If they're able to get pressure more than maybe people anticipate, then maybe, you know, you force them into a couple of bad mistakes and the game stays a little close and then it could go either way. But if I had to pick in a vacuum right now, I would take Oregon to continue their winning ways in this one.
1: Did you know that Michael Penix leads the nation in passing yards per game?
2: I'm not surprised by that. He yeah. Off to a crazy start this yeah. year. Crazy.
1: Well, the game against Oregon State, where the most recent game where he had 298 passing yards was his first game all season under 300 yards passing. So, I mean, if you're a quarterback or a receiver on the West Coast, I don't know how you don't look at Washington right now. With yeah. You just follow Kalen DeBoer's track record. Look at Fresno without him. You know what yes. I mean? Look at Indiana since he left. I mean, that's one of the things I used to evaluate coaches is like, look, dude, you left, and it kind of, you know, Fell that's apart. one of the things that gave me a greater appreciation for Kirby Smart because I always thought Kirby Smart was a Nick Saban invention. I, I, I did, and then he leaves, and the the Alabama defense has never been the same since Kirby Smart left. And now you look at George and you're like, oh, that looks familiar. Oh, that's what they were at Alabama when when he was there. and you say okay you know what I have a greater appreciation for coach smart now and the job he is building defenses and that's how I feel about Kalen DeBoer building offenses now let's see as a head coach can he build an entire team that we don't know yet but man he's put together some pretty good offensive football teams and I do think Oregon's vulnerable defensively Ryan I I don't think they're a great defense this year they've had some games here and there but I mean you know I just said to you that they haven't held that that Washington hasn't held a team a a power five team under 20 points well Georgia's only done that once, and that was against Colorado. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people hold Colorado to 10 or fewer points. They're pretty awful. I just feel like to me, the balance of Oregon's offense is what gives to me gives them an advantage. It's hard, it's going to be harder to make Oregon one dimensional than it is to make Washington one dimensional. That's really where my concern is in this game. Cause if you look at the Oregon yeah. offense, I and mean, here's their rushing output. 1 140 263 212 178 351 306 262 174 195 that's pretty good you know and then you look at Washington's rushing output and it's it's, it's a little different it's just not the same i mean they're only at 126 per game it's 132, 241 against Portland State. And since the Portland State game, 106, 169, 71, 134, 79, 102, and 100. I just don't think you can go on the road and beat a team like Oregon playing one dimensional. Because, like, it, you know, it's, it's Bo Nix versus Michael Penix, right? The biggest difference in this game, the, biggest, the thing that Oregon has done, and I'm not trying to get into what you think about Bo Nix, right? I think we, this, I want to stick to this. The one thing that Oregon has done that Auburn never did is Oregon is not asking Bo Nix to carry the offense. They're saying, you're a piece to this puzzle. Be smart, get the ball where it needs to go, and then go be a playmaker. Where Auburn tried to, like, five-star recruit, let's build everything around him. And I think Oregon's done a really nice job of saying, hey, we're not going to ask you to be Superman. We're going to ask you to be a very important key to this cog. but you're a piece to the puzzle, not the puzzle that everybody else depends on and I think that's is what has allowed Bo Nix to play really good football at this mm-hmm. point in time
2: so you're saying so. he's more Ant-Man than Superman is what you're saying yes just
1: absolutely just, just, absolutely just, no, I mean but ser- but seriously though he is he is he is not a guy that you want to have hey man we're going to put you in front of this thing and you've got to be the dude you know you've got to put this team on your shoulders and win us football games he's He's not that. That's unfair to him. That's asking him to do something that he's not, and that's what Auburn tried to do. And, and basically, is if Bo didn't play great, Auburn couldn't win. Now, I think Oregon can win without Bo Nix playing well, which is partly why I think he's playing so well, because they don't need him to play well. So he can just kind of go out there and manage a game, and like the Stanford game is a perfect example. He goes 16 of 29 for 161 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. Right now he ran well in that game, ran for 141 yards, but it like wasn't a a vintage Bo Nix performance when you look at what he's done in every other game: 84.8%, 72.2, 75, 80, 78.6, 77.1, 83.3. Stanford he goes for 161 against Arizona, no touchdown passes. But the thing is, guess what? They still did against Stanford. They blew him out. If he'd have played like that last year against Auburn, they get killed. When he was at Auburn, they get killed. He had to have the 70% completion, 300-plus yards for them to have a chance. And I think that's something that's really helped Bo is they're not asking him to be a former five-star quarterback. They're asking him to be a, a, sm- a veteran, smart, get the ball where it needs to go, and when the playmaking opportunities come with your legs, use it. And I think that's why he's been successful. And it also helps that you're playing in a, in a league with no good defenses. I think there are very few good defenses. That helps as well. Cause he didn't look like that against an sec defense at the beginning of the year against Georgia. So that's going to be a, a very
2: fascinating game. And, and what I'm a job sure. Dan Lanning has done yes. in his first year. I, yes. I, I wasn't in love with that hire and he's done a really good job in his first year. Yes. He really has completely proven me
1: wrong, Ryan, you and I were on the same page did not like that hire didn't make a lot of sense regionally. You know, was he really running the Georgia defense, you know, or was it Kirby? He's done a great job. And here's the thing too. They're winning with offense. I mean, he's a defensive coach in there and he's 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 smart enough to say, hey, look, yes, I, I want to have a good defense, but that's not who we are right now. We're an offensive football team and he's he's playing to that. So I, I think that's a good one. Here's a, a game you picked, Ryan. It, it's it's, sort, it's a, so we do a uh, if you're on the message board, we do a upset pick every week. We pick our staff upsets. And the criteria is an unranked team beats a ranked team or a team that's a six and a half point underdog or six point underdog or more. So technically if a team is favored on the spread, it can still be an upset because it's an unranked team. And that is where you got one of your upset picks this weekend. And that is a game that's at seven o'clock on FS1 down at Texas,
2: Ryan. Yep. I picked Baylor to beat Kansas state this week, 28 to 20. Kansas State is another one of those teams, Brian. I keep using the word Mattingly, but they are just maddeningly inconsistent, man. They really are. I mean, there's some weeks where I'm like, okay, I get down with this. You know, they kind of found the best parts of Adrian Martinez in some games. I mean, there was a game where he ran for 150-plus this year, and that running game along with Deuce Vaughn, you're just kind of like, okay, that's, that's some good things to build off of because I think Kansas State does have a good offensive line. I think they do have a good defense, and when the quarterback position is – efficient to good then you're going to win a lot of football games But so then there's other games where you know you're leading against TCU and then you start having an injuries at the quarterback position Adrian Martinez gets knocked out early in that game Will Howard gets knocked uh, gets injured later in that football game and now the quarterback position has just kind of been injured and inconsistent and that's where I think things go in the wayside to Kansas State for Baylor I mean I'm surprised Baylor's sitting here at six and three because I thought they were going to take a a bigger setback. I thought they would still be a competitive football team, but just lose a couple more games, be closer to 500 than three games over 500 right now. And I really love the job Dave Aranda's has done. I think defensively, despite losing guys like Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie and Kalen Barnes and a lot of NFL talents, they've, they've recovered and they've shown that they, maybe we're a little more prepared for some of those losses than I originally anticipated. So I think that Baylor's going to win a tough battle here. I think they're going to have a good football game against the Kansas State offense. I think the defense is going to come to play and Baylor, I think just makes enough plays to win this football game offensively. So give me Baylor in the upset or Kansas state 28 to 20.
1: I have to say I am incredibly impressed by the job that Dave Aranda has done at Baylor this year. And you know, six and three is not great. It's not as good as they were last year, but I don't I don't think people realize how much talent they lost off last year's team. And the fact that that the last two years of the Matt Rule era, they didn't exactly recruit the same way, especially the last year. And for him to turn a team that was one eleven in year one to i believe in year two they went to the sugar bowl lost a ton of kids in the nfl had a much deeper draft class than Notre Dame had for example because they lost so many guys and i mean like legit nfl players too ryan like not like they had like five guys taken in around six or seven they had guys taken in you know day one one i don't did they have a, they didn't have a day one pick right oh yeah wait a minute no tyquan thornton wasn't a first round pick was he, he was second runner. third right had yep. a bunch of kids taken on day two in early day yep. three and for them to kind of come bounce come out this year, bounce back the way they have, really kind of scuffle out of the gate. I mean, they're three and three at one point. They got mm-hmm. beat by BYU. Their wins were over Albany and Texas State, and then an ugly, you know, a, a good solid road win over an ugly Iowa State team. Then they lost back-to-back games to Oklahoma State and West Virginia. And what have they done since? They and then they've got a, a stretch of two out of their next three on the road. So what do they do? They beat Kansas. They go on the road mm-hmm. and blow out Texas Tech, a team that nobody else in the conference has really been able to do that to. I mean, Texas Tech's been it is losing a bunch of games, but they battle. They blew them out. And then they went on the road last week and beat Oklahoma mm-hmm. in Norman. And and now they come home. And I'm and they've got an incredibly tough stretch down the down this going down the stretch. K-State at home, TCU at home, and at Texas. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. They are most likely not going to play for the Big 12 title, but Baylor is gonna have a big say on who plays for the big 12 title this year. And I predict they're going to win two of their last three games, which means they're going to beat two of Kansas state, TCU and Texas. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I just have realized that I just am. It's foolish of me to bet against Dave Aranda with the job he's doing. I think all the analysis you said is sorry, the specifics of this matchup. I think K state's playing a team. Here's the thing, Ryan, I'll make it simple. K state's Mm -hmm. playing a team that's like them, but better at it right now in Baylor because they've been they've been taking advantage of teams that don't play very good defense and like to score they've got a real salty defense they play physical football they're playing a Baylor team that's that's that way too but but more explosive and more athletic at, at more spots and they're on the road so that's why I'm going with Baylor at home. These are two very very well coached football teams this is if you like teams that play good offense good defense and are just very well coached top down watch this game. Because yep. these are two of the better head coaches in the Big 12, in my opinion. They don't have the talent other teams had. You give them the roster that Oklahoma has or the roster Texas has and watch out. Because these are two darn good mm-hmm. football coaches and Chris Kleiman and, and Dave Miranda, No doubt. Other night games to look at, Ryan. Here's a big one that we did a prediction for. Let's just knock out a couple real quick and then we'll get to the two that we are going to, we're going to prioritize. Four to say to Syracuse, eight o'clock ACC network. Seminoles are seven and a half point road favorite. Do you see Syracuse being able to bounce back and get off the schneid and upset the Seminoles?
2: I think the Syracuse team is just a little beat up right now, Brian. I mean, Garrett Schrader's beat up with Garrett Williams out for the year. Now I think that's a big vocal leader for their defense and they've, obviously stumbled the last couple of games now. And I think that it's just attrition that's kind of catching up to him a little bit. So I don't know if Florida State covers that seven and a half because that's a lot of points, I think, against Syracuse. Cause I still think Syracuse does have some, you know, they have some good defensive players. Mm-hmm. They still have Sean Tucker at running back who's a good football player. Ronde Gatson, Their the second catchers, who's a good right. football player. Like they have some good players still. So I don't know if I would pick Florida State to cover the seven and a half. But I think I would take Florida State to win just because I just think they're a more healthy team than Syracuse right now. I
1: got to give props to Mike Norvell because they started the season off well, had the big one over LSU, went on the road and beat Louisville, blew out BC, dropped the home game to Wake Forest, won a, a game, just choked a game away against NC State, and then they come home and they lose to Florida State by 6 but it wasn't that close. I mean, we watched the game. It was like what 24 to 10 and I mean, they 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 were 24-14, 31-14 in the second half. And they scored late to make it a six-point game. It and you're lot watching like, "Okay, here's Florida State being Florida State again. They lost three in a row. Two have been home. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're it is. What, and then they bounce back the next week and blow out Georgia Tech. Now, should they have beat Georgia Tech? I'm sure. But it, the point is not that they beat Georgia Tech. They blew out Georgia Tech. And and say what you want about Georgia Tech, they're four and five. They don't lose bad very often. You know, like Ole Miss and Clemson beat them early, but that Clemson game was competitive. So was Mm -hmm. the Georgia Tech-UCF game. They lost by 17. They were competitive. They beat Pitt on the road. They beat Duke. They lost to, to Virginia by a touchdown. This past week, they beat Virginia Tech on the road. Florida State hammered them. I mean, absolutely hammered them. And then the followed up a week later with a 45 to 3 win over Miami that wasn't that close. If Mike Norvell wanted to be an a-hole, he could have hung at least two more touchdowns on Miami. It was like 31 to 3 at halftime yeah. of that game. I mean, he could have easily hung a couple more on him. Was it 30, 30? Was it thirty-one to three or thirty-five to three at halftime? Let me let me look that up because it was a blowout at halftime. It was thirty-one to three at
2: halftime. Yeah, I was going to say I thought it was thirty-one. Yeah. man, Miami is bad. By the way, they're, they're awful a bad team right now.
1: Awful, like way worse than they should be. I picked them to yeah, win the cool. coastal. I mean, you look at the talent they had coming back. They had a lot of players coming back. You're supposedly hiring a good football staff, and they were. They've mm. been bad. They've been yeah. really bad. Embarrassingly bad. I mean, they got blown out at home by Duke. I mean, think about that. But props to Mike Norvell for – for it, it, it just shows he's building the right culture there, Ryan. That's the thing for me. He's finally building a culture there because they were able to kind of have those three losses in a row. You and I both know in the mm-hmm. last six, seven years and every single one of those seasons, that three-game losing streak would have spiraled. Yeah. I mean, it would have spiraled. They might have beat Georgia Tech in an ugly game and then lost to Miami on the road. It would have spiraled. This team sure. bounced back in impressive fashion. And I tell you what, man, you look at, if they can get past this game, their last two games are Louisiana and Florida at home, both of them at home. If they can go on the road and beat Syracuse, and you're right about that, they're going to finish 9-3. and three. I think they beat Florida. I do. I yeah. think they'll beat Florida. And talk about just really this is exactly what the doctor ordered for Florida State. This is the kind of year Mike Norvell needed to get this program back on track, in my opinion. And you're starting to see them get some more commits. The recruiting is picking up now, too, that they're proving that they can win. I think that's going to be big. It's going to be a big one. Last one, or last two, right? here we go. Here's the Mm -hmm. two big ones. Number four, TCU at number 18, Texas. 730 ABC, Texas is a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over TCU. Yeah. Uh, Let's say you, Ryan, I'll, I I don't want to set too much up because for me to set it up, I'm going to kind of give away where my prediction was. So I'll let you kind of I'll
2: let you kind of set this one up and tell me why you made the pick that you made. So I picked this game before I even saw that spread. I think that spread is still a little wacky. I do because I mm-hmm. think that this is going to be a pretty competitive football game. I do. I I mean, and look, I've predicted this a couple times this year and it hasn't happened. So people can you know, you can hear what you want to hear on this one. I think that this is the game where TCU slips up. I do. Mm-hmm. I think that Texas has been another team that has been very Jekyll and Hyde this year. There's been some games where they have looked pretty good. There's been other games where they just come have come out flat and not looked like a great football team. But I just I just think that this is the game where you're going to see those athletes really make the steps that they need to or the, make the big plays down the stretch. The Bijan Robinson's of the world. The Xavier Worthy's of the world. I know that TCU has a very good offense itself, but I think when you compare Texas's defense to TCU's defense, I like a lot more of what Texas has on that side of the football. Not as super not a super consistent team, but TCU's defense just does not really speak to me as far as being a team that I can bet on. So, I'm going to take Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, and just a couple big plays in this one. Give me Texas thirty-eight to thirty-four over TCU. Again, I think the spread's a little out of hands in favor of Texas, but I do think Texas wins this football game. TCU's having a great season. I still don't think this is a a you know I don't think this is a deterrence for their success this season. I still think they have a chance to finish well down the stretch. It's just I think that they are going to drop a football game at some point, and I think it's going to be this week against Texas.
1: I agree. They will drop a game at some point. I do not mm-hmm. think it'll be this week. Mm-hmm. And it really boils down to this, Ryan. It, it, I don't disagree with anything you said about this matchup. I think mm-hmm. Texas has better players overall. I think they're, I think these are two very similar teams. I mean, they're both good running the ball at times. Great. At times not. Uh, they both have good quarterback play, not great quarterback play partly for Max Dugan. Cause he's not a great talent for Texas because the kid's young and still evolving. They're both, they have, guys can make plays down the field. They both have kind of up and down defenses that look good at times and not other times. I mean, there's a lot to to, to be similar. And in a normal scenario, and two pretty evenly matched teams, I'm taking the home team. But the mm-hmm. reason I took TCU is real simple. In two years, Steve Sarkeesian and his team have not shown that they can win these games. And the thing that the people in the media hammer TCU for the most is exactly why I'm picking them to win in this game. You can ha- oh they trailed this game and that game so, Alabama, Georgia trailed most of the game against against Missouri. I mean, Notre Dame had leads in the fourth quarter. Notre Dame outplayed Ohio State longer than they than you know. Excuse me, had a lead over Ohio State. I will take a I would take a fifty-seven point or fifty-seven minute trailing against Ohio State and winning at the end, then winning a lot of the game and then losing at the end. TCU knows how to win. Sonny Dykes has gotten his team to the point where they know how to win football games. They've been down big and they rally back, and Texas has not shown me the ability to do that yet. And until they do, I can't predict them to win a big game. I will say this, however, this is a huge opportunity for them to do just that. This Mm -hmm. is a game that could completely change the direction of Texas because I think you and I will agree on this, Ryan. Texas's talent is not elite by any stretch. They have some very good players, but it's not elite by any stretch. But it's better than 6-3 and at this point in time in the season, in my opinion. They just don't know how to win games. It's just going to be that thing where once it happens, they're going to kind of be like, okay, yeah, I like this. We can do this. Mm-hmm. And it's going to build their confidence up. They're recruiting at an incredibly high level right now. They're going to get some kids that are going to you know, flip some kids. They already flipped Colton Vasick from Oklahoma. Anthony Hill is going to be on campus this weekend. Beating a team like TCU is going to, what could be big for them. It's just for me, I'm going TCU because that's the team that has shown me they know how to win. And I feel like playing away from home could be the thing that's going to, galvanize them a little bit the the thing that makes me not want to go with them though is Gary Patterson's on the other sideline <laughs> for Texas and I feel like he's going to have a little something to say about this but at the end of the day he's not the D coordinator he, he you know and it's just a different deal but uh, I am going TCU just for me at this point in time so that's where that's where I'm that's where I'm taking it, Ryan. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said. It's just it's that last part. Texas has not shown me they know how to win yet. And then the last game we're going to discuss, we Ryan. A,
2: we have a couple of different picks, which I like. We do. Which I like. We
1: do. Yes, we do. We also have a, a different pick on this one as well, Ryan. I believe. Let me mm-hmm. look at your pick. Yes, we do. And this is one where I actually hope that you're correct. Number 15, North Carolina at Wake Forest. Now, North Carolina, uh, Wake Forest is a four-point favorite. It's 7.30 on ESPN2. How about ESPN2 having some of the better games this weekend? Wake Forest is cruising along, 6-1, and scoring a ton of points, and then that third quarter against Louisville has them reeling. I thought they'd bounce back against – you and I both thought they'd bounce back against NC State last week, and they did not. Sam Hartman turned the ball over again multiple times. And it proved very, very costly. Sam Hartman, in a lot of ways, got outplayed by MJ Morris last week. He did. And and that's why NC State pulled off that win. So, Brian, do they get back on track now? Or is that the beginning of the end of the 2022 Wake Forest Demon Deacons?
2: Last week on this show, Brian, like you said, I picked Wake Forest to have a bounce-back game against NC State because I thought – a fifth-year senior quarterback in Sam Hartman would ha, would be able to, you know, to come back and have kind of a bounce-back game after what we saw the previous week, and he didn't. So I'm trying to learn from my mistakes here. So I'm trying to learn from my mistakes, and I just I think that this Wake Forest team is just taking a little bit of a nosedive, man. I just think that they've hit a bad stretch of the season. I don't know if they get it turned around just because again, you know, it's two games in a row. So it's starting to turn into a little bit of a trend now. So we'll see. I hope that they play better football because I want them, I don't want them to obviously play poorly because I want to see a competitive football game. But I'm going to take the team offensively that is not turning the football over a ton, that is playing at a better quality and more consistency, in my opinion, right now. That's North Carolina. So give me North Carolina 42 to 31. Every week I watch North Carolina, I feel like Drake May gets better and better. Last week, Josh Downs, 15 catches, 166 yards on 16 targets, one of the best wide receivers in all of college football. That offense is just consistently putting up numbers, and Wake Forest is just offensively has given me a lot to worry about with their turning the football over the last couple weeks and just Mm -hmm. not playing high-quality football. So give me the better offense, give me the more consistent offense, give me North Carolina, 42-31.
1: Ryan, I thought about going with you on this. I've been – man, I've been mm-hmm. back and forth on this game all year – all week. I really have. When it comes down to it, it's where it's at. I mean, Wake Forest is – or North Carolina is winning on the road, but they're not a good team on the road. I mean, it's, they're not a pretty team on the road. Mm-hmm. Barely beat App State on the road. Struggled at Georgia State. Barely beat a crap Miami team on the road. Had to come back late to beat North Duke on the road – struggled against a bad Virginia team last week on the road as well. Now they got W's in all those games, but none of those teams in my opinion are as good as Wake Forest. And, and I think Wake Forest is, is kind of their defense is a problem. It's a big problem. Mm -hmm. They giving up 30 points to NC state is uh, giving up 40 to everybody else. That's not a scores, a lot of points to a freshman quarterback. And now you got to play Drake may. So I, I don't disagree with anything you said when I look at this matchup and that's why for the most of the week, I was looking at North Carolina, but I I think what kind of, what got me to go with at the end to go with wake forest is just number one. I don't think North Carolina is quite there yet where they're just a table running team. They're still flawed. They have their own flaws. I, I feel like you said, I feel like we're going to see this week. I'm, I'm doubling down on Sam Hartman, basically, is what I'm saying, and it's and you know I watched Brendan Armstrong and and that Virginia offense, which is pretty terrible, just ripped North Carolina up last week, and I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, man, you know, like I think Wake Forest is going to move the ball. I think that Drake May will do his best to rally that team, but the other thing that concerns me too is North Carolina is getting more and more and more one-dimensional the deeper we get into the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a bit problematic. They're putting more and more on Drake May's shoulders. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. In my opinion, you know, Drake may is their leading rusher by almost 150. Yes. I mean, by over 150 yards right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that's problematic and I just don't feel, I feel like at some point in time, that's going to hit a wall and you're going to have a team that's going to be able to create enough inconsistency, in, inconsistency throwing the football that it's going to cost them a game. And I think this is the game where that happens. I think that Dave Clawson's a good football coach. He's going to be able to, because look, their last two losses for Wake Forest were both on the road. They're going back home now, you know. And, and I think that they're going to kind of rally the troops a little bit and and bounce back. I do. They've been a pretty darn good home team this year. So I mean, they have a win over Liberty at home this year. They you know took Clemson overtime at home. They blew out BC and Army at home. They haven't been as good away from home, uh, especially lately. So I'm I'm going with Wake Forest just because I think that. That Phil Longo is putting too way too much on Drake May's shoulders, and they're becoming too one dimensional. And you know that plays in the Wake Forest hands, right? Because Wake Forest is already one dimensional. <laughs> you know, like they're just That's kind true. of that way anyway. They're a pretty one dimensional team. They don't run the ball like they used to at all. And I feel like this is kind of one of those games where they're going to try to get into a shootout with you. And I think, I think Wake Forest is going to is going to make enough plays because they're at home uh, and they've got the veteran quarterback. I wouldn't be shocked if North Carolina wins. But mm-hmm. I just feel like Wake's going to bounce back and Dave Clawson's going to get these guys going. And I just, again, I, I'm i very concerned. Like you just saw it last week. There's a couple times Drake Mays just starting to get off the ground a little bit slower, you know, just uh, taking a few more hits. And, um, uh, you know, I, I don't love that because I'm afraid that one of these games down the stretch here in November, he's going to take that one hit or flip up in the air, and it's going to be that one time where now he's out. And if you take Drake May off this football team, they're a completely different squad. That's why I've said this, Drake If Drake may flat out right now, should be a Heisman finalist right now. You take him off that team, and that 8-1 football team might have a losing record. I mean, I'm serious. He is that important to that football team. And that's why I'm concerned that they keep using him the way that they're using him as a runner. So, But uh, like I said, Ryan, man, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I've been back and Mm -hmm. forth on that one all week. I really have. And I took North Carolina for most of the week, but at the end I was like, you know what, I'm going with the vet going with the home team, I think they're going to get done.